Welcome to the news hour. In a surprise move, Saudi Arabia and Iran have announced that they're resuming diplomatic ties. In a coup for China, the deal was struck in Beijing after four days of secret talks. It follows seven years of hostility between the Saudi Arabian Kingdom as it broke off official relations with Tehran. Both countries have pledged to reopen their embassies within the next two months. Iran's top security official said the deal aims to consolidate Tehran's ties with nations across the Islamic world. We have been here in Beijing for six days. I held talks with my Saudi counterpart that led to the agreement to normalize relations. We agreed with Saudi Arabia to open a new page based on the interests of the two countries and on regional security and to promote stability instead of exacerbating tensions. We hope this will contribute to the establishment of security and development in the region and balance the behavior of foreign powers and their distance from our region, to which they came without permission. We look forward to this agreement contributing to the consolidation of our relations not only with Saudi Arabia, but also with the countries of the region and the Islamic world. The enemy, especially the Zionist entity, feels frustrated and despaired by this agreement. Our diplomatic editor James Bayes is standing by at the United Nations headquarters in New York, as is our White House correspondent Kimberly Halkett in Washington, D.C. But first, let's chat to Ali Hashem, who's live for us in Tehran. And Ali, let's just begin with what has been agreed. Well, uh, Suhail, what has been agreed is restoring diplomatic ties between the two countries. That's been severed since uh, 2016. That means in uh, around two months from now, there is going to be uh, meetings uh, between the uh, officials of the Islamic Republic of Iran and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, and mainly uh, officials in the foreign ministry, and they will agree on the uh, roadmap to restoring uh, relations. Uh, ambassadors will uh, get back to, their, uh, to, the, to both capitals, uh, Saudi ambassador to Tehran, Iranian ambassador to uh, Riyadh, and also reviving a 2001 security pact that uh, was essential at that time when it was signed to regional security. Both countries are saying that they want this deal to have its own impact on regional security. And regional security will mean also trying to contain uh, um, the uh, uh, escalation in, in Yemen, the, the, the war in Yemen, maybe situation in Lebanon that where there is no president because of these uh, uh, contradictions and clashes of interests between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Also, this will have its own uh, reflection on the situation in Iraq and, and probably Syria also. In the hours uh, that we've heard about this news, uh, Ali, it, we're getting the general impression that regional capitals in the Middle East are surprised about this announcement, as most probably as many uh, as media uh, organizations are as well. I mean, what's the reaction from Baghdad? I know you've mentioned Iraq just now, but there must be surprise. Well, Suhail, uh, interestingly, this path started in Baghdad in 2021 and continued throughout 2022. Former Prime Minister Mustafa al-Qadimi was the first to mediate between the two countries. Even, even before Mustafa al-Qadimi, uh, the other prime ministers tried to do that between the two countries. But it was 
during the Academy's time that uh, officials from Iran and Saudi Arabia met for five times, five uh, rounds of talks in Baghdad and also other uh, sessions uh, on security levels in Oman. But of course, for the Iraqis, this, this wasn't a surprise with respect to the result, but it was a surprise with respect to the timing. No one thought that this is the deal that everyone was talking about. Everyone was thinking that a deal is going to be between Iran and the United States on a prisoner swap, but not between Iran and Saudi Arabia on reviving or restoring diplomatic relations. Ali Hashim, therefore, in Tehran, thank you. Well, Iran and Saudi Arabia have long had an adversarial history. Let's take a quick look at some of those recent events. In 2011, Arab Spring saw protest movements against the status quo in several countries in the Middle East. Saudi Arabia accused Iran of inciting protests in Bahrain against the royal family. Iran denied the accusation. Well, as the civil war in Yemen began in 2015, Saudi Arabia backed the internationally recognized government to targeted Houthi rebels. Strongholds. Now, Iran was widely accused of backing the Houthis militarily. It said it provided political support. And in 2016, Saudi Arabia executed a prominent Shiite leader who supported dissent against the kingdom. There was uproar in Iran, where protesters burnt parts of the Saudi embassy. Riyadh then severed diplomatic ties with Tehran. And in 2019, Saudi Arabia's state-run oil company was hit by a Houthi drone attack. Five million barrels a day of crude production was affected, close to half of the kingdom's output, and Iran denied any involvement there. Let's cross over to James Bays, our diplomatic editor at the United Nations. And let's say, you know, this is breaking news, really, James. We're all getting used to uh, this uh, conversation that's been developing uh, and the news that's coming out of the Middle East. Uh, what's the reaction where you are? Well, certainly the United Nations is welcoming this. The Secretary General uh, was briefed on it first thing this morning as soon as the news emerged here in New York and a very positive reaction. He believes that this could be good news for the entire region. We heard Ali talk about uh, the situation in countries like Lebanon and Iraq. Yemen, I think, is the one where the UN will be most, uh, most interested in this. Can they actually bring the war in Yemen to a proper negotiated settlement. We have a very uneasy truce that's been in place. Uh, it's nearly now eight years. In the next few days, it'll be eight years since Saudi Arabia uh, intervened in Yemen, and they've been bogged down there ever since. That, I'm sure, is one of the motivations uh, from uh, the Saudi side. Uh, of course, there are important implications with regard uh, to Israel. Israel is the one country I think is not going to like this. Uh, they had been hoping that the U.S. would persuade uh, Saudi Arabia to join the Abraham Accords, uh, get better relations with Israel and completely isolate Iran. That's what Prime Minister Netanyahu wants, and it's not what he's going to get. I think the overwhelming thing that I'm seeing from this is, is, is a very different approach now to Saudi uh, foreign policy. Traditionally, before Mohammed bin Salman, who now steers the strategy uh, for the Saudi kingdom, uh, Saudi Arabia very much was in the U.S. camp on everything. But this deal, it was brokered today in China. And at the same time, the Saudi foreign minister uh, was in Russia talking about his good relations uh, with Russia. It's worth pointing out the Saudi foreign minister also was recently in Ukraine and they have offered themselves 
Charles as a mediator in that conflict. But I think Saudi Arabia now believes mm. uh, that it can't just focus on the U.S. It needs to it needs to look at all of the players in a multipolar world. A developing story, certainly, from the UN there. Thanks, James Bayes, our political uh, editor there. Thank you. Kimberly Halkett joins us now uh, from the White House, our White House correspondent. Kimberly, you know, as the news has been breaking, you know, we've been trying to get reaction from Washington. They'll be dealing with an issue of, uh, the, of Saudi being a long-term ally and Iran being a long-term adversary. Yeah, and speaking of adversaries, the uh, White House seems to be somewhat sensitive that its other adversary, China, is the one that seems to have brokered this deal in terms of now the resumption of, of ties between Iran and Saudi Arabia. And uh, when asked about this, the spokesperson, John Kirby, somewhat sensitive when speaking with reporters, really pushing back on the assertion that perhaps there is some waning diplomatic power in the part of the United States, that usually it's the United States that is brokering these type of agreements or, or uh, sort of understandings and uh, really pushing back on this, saying that the United States was welcoming this, seeing it through the lens of efforts to help end the war in Yemen and de-escalate the tensions in the Middle East, uh, and still acknowledging, though, that it did not have a hand in any of this. Uh, and in fact, though, saying that uh, de-escalation and diplomacy is still a key pillar of the Biden administration's uh, policies that they brought to Saudi Arabia just last year, but at the same time admitting that they were not in any way involved in the discussions that ultimately brought about this understanding between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Kimberly Halkett there, our White House correspondent. Thank you for the update, uh, Kimberly. Well, joining me now here in the studio is Abdelaziz Sagar. He's the chairman of the Gulf Research Centre. Welcome to Al Jazeera. Nice Thank to have you. you here, sir. Can I just begin with asking you, could you, from your knowledge and your contacts within uh, the Saudi government, explain practically how this agreement is going to work? And does this mean that hostilities between the two countries are now over? Well... Let's hope that it will be over because the agreement basically focuses on the respecting the international law. The agreement also talks about the Vienna Treaty with regard to the diplomat and political uh, and, and uh, diplomatic facilities. So that is also important. It talks about respect of the sovereignty of the state, which is very important. Uh, if we take all of this in account and it says it's a new page, so basically what we are saying, we are trying to stop all the escalation, go to de-escalation now, focus on the, on the uh, unilateral relation that bring peace and security to the region here, and that means no intervention on the domestic affairs issues from Iran into Saudi Arabia, which is very important, that it has been, and your report did talk about, the, you know, the various issues that has been between Saudi Arabia and Iran in the past. But I think that's a positive step, you know, it can look. Of course, there are lots of details in the future that need mm. to be looked out. In other words, how is the implementation? Saudi Arabia always concerned about the interventionist policy, the expansionist policy of Iran, the support of the militia group, the um, 
energy security, the maritime security. So there are uh, key issues, and also including the uh, escalation in countries like Yemen, uh, Lebanon, Syria, many of the, of the issues. And we'll, and we'll get into that in a moment as well. I mean, how delicate, in your opinion and in your knowledge, were these negotiations? Uh, they were held quite secretly. There were, there were negotiations happening that people knew about, as we've heard from uh, various contributors and various correspondents. But the minute detail of a potential rapprochement between Tehran and Riyadh has come as quite a surprise, especially with China involved. No, I think, I think the Chinese president, when he visits Saudi Arabia on the summit of the Arab Gulf and Saudi Chinese summit, I think it was clear when he stated that he wanted to see, a, you know, peace and st stability and security in the region, and he wanted to see more constructive role from Iran. Although Iran at that time did not like it, and they called the Chinese ambassador in Tehran, uh, uh, you know, saying that they don't like what they have heard. But as soon as, you know, the Iranian president visited uh, 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 Beijing, uh, it, it was very important that the message was delivered being the largest partner of both sides. I mean, Saudi and the Gulf, it's almost $130 billion with China, so we're the largest trading partner with, uh, with China. There is almost 36% uh, of China import of energy comes out of the, uh, the Gulf countries. But at the same time, Iran is, the, is the, the biggest buyer of the Iranian energy is, is, is China. So this is why there is a big and interesting relation both. And this is why China had the leverage on the, on the, on the uh, um, also absence uh, of Russia being very busy with the, with the Ukrainian crisis. China had the best. Uh, in terms of uh, the diplomacy that's been involved, uh, the, the questions that are now arising, are knowing that China's mediated uh, this uh, agreement between these two countries, is the position of countries like the United States, who've been long-term allies of Saudi Arabia, and whether they are being pushed to one side, replaced, or is it just that Saudi Arabia is looking for other alternatives to find a long-term way of cohabitating with its neighbors, as is Iran? Well, unfortunately, that the U.S. did send some wrong messaging before to the region here, including reallocation of the forces, reducing their involvement in the region, asking the region to uh, uh, not responding at the time when we wanted to respond. In your report, you talked about Shigeg and Begeg, the oil facility, where we've lost uh, half of our uh, oil production for a month, yeah, you see there. So all of that have, have, have raised the question, is the U.S. still the most reliable uh, partner that we can rely on when it comes to the regional security, or also we need to keep our option open? When President Biden attended the summit in Jeddah, he, he wanted to see a big condemnation against the, the Russian and also reducing uh, 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 you know, the relation with China, but also uh, getting out of the OPEC plus and increasing oil production. None of these uh, have been implemented. And, you know, the region said, well, we're no longer the same old boys that you used to know. I think here there is a sort of uh, an interest that we need to protect both interests. Mm. You have your interest as a U.S. and you have interest as a region here. And we need to, you know, evaluate that and deal from that angle instead of just being a listener to what uh, uh, an implementer of your wish list. It will be interesting to see uh, what does happen in the coming months. For the moment, Abdelaziz Al-Sagar, thanks so much for joining Thank us here on the set uh, in Doha. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, let's get the view on this from Yemen now with Hussein Al-Bukhati. He's in Sana'a. He's a pro-Houthi journalist and joins us. Uh, good to have you with us on the programme. Can I just get your reaction to uh, news coming out of China about this new deal between Iran and Saudi Arabia and how it might impact and will impact Yemen?
I don't think it will have any uh, impact uh, on Yemen. I mean, we remember that when the war started uh, uh, on Yemen on 26th of March 2000, uh, and 2015, uh, Saudi still had ties with uh, Iran. They only closed uh, the embassy in January 2016. So the reopening of their embassy or uh, closing it again in the nearby future, it will not actually affect uh, Yemen's. But uh, as Mohammed Abdesalam, the spokesperson of Ansarullah, he has committed, uh, made a comment about this. Uh, latest uh, agreement between Saudi Arabia and he said that the region actually is in need uh, for uh, normal uh, relation uh, to return between all Islamic and Arabic uh, nations, especially in this re region, to face uh, together what he called the Zionist and the American uh, intervention in Yemen, which he said that intervention actually invests in uh, dispute uh, between uh, countries. Uh, that's why here in Sana'a, of course, they will welcome any agreement either between Saudi Arabia between Iran or between any other Arabic and Islamic nation. But I think what will affect Yemen is the total lift of Saudi uh, blockade. I just want to remind you that uh, uh, there, uh, we are coming uh, close to enter the ninth year of the Saudi war and blockade on Yemen, which is on the 26th uh, of, of March of this month. And I believe, as I hear from here, that the Saudi Arabia have these two weeks to show a goodwill and to, re to reopen, total reopening of uh, Sana'a Airport and as well a total reopening of uh, Hudaydah Port and as well uh, to pay the salaries of, Yemeni of all Yemeni uh, civilians from uh, the, the, the oil revenue uh, that is uh, Saudi actually is collecting okay. from selling Yemeni oil. And I think that Saudi let, will not take Let me just jump in there. Let me just, Mr. Bukhati, let me just jump in there. Mr. Bukhati, you need to let me, Mr. Bukhati, you need to let me jump in there. You need to let me ask you the questions because obviously there's a lot to get through uh, and I understand where you're coming from and we've allowed you to have okay. uh, your initial say. We need to also talk about the various groups. It's not just the Houthis. There are other factions within uh, Yemen that are fighting this war to the east and to the west and to the north. Do you think the Houthis as the largest group who control the capital, Sana'a, as one contributor told us, can actually get these other groups on board? Uh, here in Sana'a, they have, especially in Sana'a, the Houthi, they have uh, always called for an internal uh, call, uh, uh, meeting and agreement between Yemenis without any Saudi uh, intervention. But as you mentioned, these all uh, groups, they are actually just uh, a tools or a toys of Saudi Arabia and United Arab Emirates. They are either fighting uh, each other. And uh, what is actually important for Sana'a, as they say, is it will be, uh, uh, their main goal is a total liberation from Yemen and this liberation will be from uh, any uh, foreign troops in Yemen and it will be from uh, to fight those troops who are actually loyal to this intervention and occupation uh, on Yemen and that's why they are really great but they have always welcomed any talk with any of these groups uh, uh, either in the south or uh, even though the Muslim Brotherhood but they should actually cut their ties with Saudi Arabia or they should not uh, be used for uh, for Saudi Arabia United Arab Emirates okay. as a, a, a tools uh, to destroy uh, Yemen. Indeed, I think there's a lot of discussion, talking and negotiation to happen within Yemen itself. We shall see what happens, certainly in the two weeks that you're talking about. Hassan Al-Bakati, thanks for joining us from Sana'a. Plenty more ahead here on the Al Jazeera News Hour, including